Yo, buenos dias. Welcome to Dad Casting with Drew. You already know who it is. It's me, Drew, the host. Um, wow, yeah, good morning. It's a trip. I uh, sitting here this morning getting ready to bring on a pretty cool guest who's about to call in here in a minute. And I'm sitting here in reflection um, because I'm, I'm, I've been studying other people's other folks, radio hosts or other podcasts or other people that are doing this to try to figure out how to be best prepared, yet still capture the raw, the rawness and, and authentic vibe you get when you kind of are just uh, going from the heart a little bit and not have things so so laid out. So I'm trying to find in between. All feedback is welcome. Um, you can hit me at my Instagram handle at Drew Holguin, last name spelled H-O-L-G-U-I-N. Anyways, um, good to have you all back in the building. Since we last spoke, um, I've dropped another episode. Hope y'all checked it out. Episode two. It's called um, Unhealthy Masculinity is Everywhere, featuring Omari Barksdale. And so check that out when you get a set. Um, But anyway, showing love out there. Um, Also got to send out love, condolences, prayers, good energy. To all the people across the globe, but specifically in this country, the folks that are getting getting left behind during this COVID plan, and definitely those being impacted by by people acting wild and reckless in terms of how we're taking care of one of each other, uh, taking care of one another. So, love out to people struggling, um, and yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to, to do the show today. Today we're going to be bringing on um, Deshaun. Um, I was blessed to have actually worked with him briefly years ago when I worked at Roosevelt. He was a therapist with the county there. And then we ended up crossing crossing paths again when I went to grad school. He's an adjunct professor. And we've just stayed connected. We have a lot of mutual uh, colleagues and friends in the field. Um, And so I wanted to bring him on and and, and pick his mind a little bit about what it's like to be uh, not just a man in the field of social work, but a black man in Portland in the field of social work. I also have to do one quick shout out as well. I've never actually shared this with y'all, but I um, like the idea of a podcast. Um, obviously, the platform or the, the the roots behind it was me wanting to create a platform to have these conversations. Um, but even before that, I just want to show love to someone who actually inspired me to start a podcast. And that person's name is Christopher Scott, the social worker. Um, he, uh, you know, we don't really know each other. We're, we're friends on social media. I listen to every episode of his podcast. Check it out. So it's called um, The Hip Hop Social Worker with, with, with Christopher Scott. And it's a beautiful podcast. It's heavily, heavily focused on on the mental health field, uh, social work field, um, and working um, specifically with different fo- with folks of color in the field. And so it's a really dope show. Uh, dope podcast check it out and i just gotta sh- show love to, to him because uh it kind of gave me some of the ideas of what i wanted to do here so anyways coming up here in a minute we'll have amanda sean coming in um and it's early in the morning so if kids come barging in the studio aka my son's room it is what it is okay i love y'all and uh yeah check it out peace All right, y'all, here we are. Um, blessed to um, be able to schedule this um, with a, a colleague and friend of mine, Deshaun, uh, tapping in with this this morning. And, of course, due to COVID, once again, we're everything's going to be uh, phone interviewed until we can all come back together. Um, but um, good morning, Deshaun. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I was actually thinking... <laughs> the I was I, when I was going on a run yesterday. I was thinking about the question, "How are you doing right now?" During all this, is a bizarre one. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't really know how to answer it. I'm like, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree, and I, and I ask that question all the time. The work that I do, um, and so I always try to preface that with the shared understanding, uh, just given 
all that we are experiencing right now in this pandemic. Uh, so folks, folks generally understand that piece. Yeah. Um, so for you, like, we'll get into the professional piece in a bit, but personally, how are you holding up with sure. all of this? You know, it's, um, you know, I, I have, uh, it, it, it wax and wane, you know, there, and, and it's more about, um, just this, you know, managing, you know, being at home, you know, not, not having a whole lot of connection, just, you know, managing the social distancing or physical distancing, um, so because I'm sort of a, um, you know, just relational person, um, you know, having to be to myself sometimes can be a little bit challenging. Uh, so I think that that, that, that piece had this on and then just, you know, really uh, managing this impending sort of, you know, grief or fear um, and just anxiety of just the uncertainty of, you know, what's happening, our nation, you know, not really knowing a whole lot, yeah. you know, worried about family members and, you know, making sure that, you know, wanting them to, hopefully they're taking care of themselves, you know, so sort of trying to keep all of that together. And, and it, so that's what I mean by sort of waxing ways. There are good days and there are days where it's just like, okay, I, I haven't heard from this person, how they doing, you know, so. What have you been doing to like keep your head in the game, your spirit in the game or whatever? Yeah, I I think um, you know I I think the big thing for me is keeping routine um, as much as I possibly can. I'm trying to do the same thing every single day. Um, you know, I have a I have a schedule. Of course, I'm working from home, so you know I have that that, that sort of keeps me uh, busy, which I'm grateful that I can still work. Um, but. You know, at the same time, too, I, you know, I'm managing sort of this this routine thing, going for walks, you know, um, limiting my exposure to news, um, social media. Um, these are all ways that I'm trying to, you know, self-preserve and, um, and sort of work through this uh, because the, the amount of, like, continual exposure that I have to these things, um, you know, continues to further the uncertainty and anxiety and I think that's what sort of helped keep me healthy going you know exercising as much as I can mm. you know so that that's how I've been surviving all right you know? that's not a beautiful reminder about the social media thing I think so many I mean my, myself included so many of us will like just be on there as a, as, the, as a time filler and that stuff right. you know whether it's a, you know people can Planning, or whether it's people being wild and reckless, or it's just the news in general, it can it can take its toll, huh? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you uh, kind of painting the picture for me how you've been holding up. I've been asking folks because I'm just trying to get a, an idea to share out with people. What are what are different folks doing to kind of get through all of this? Um, yeah. But uh, I want to jump into some questions first. I just want to thank you, uh, man. It means a lot that you'd be willing to like come on even if it was kind of last minute you know just like a week ago i'd asked you so i do appreciate that and i just think you have so much to offer um and i, and I want people to be able to hear kind of like your story and, and what you do in, in the field um sure. similar to what i do with with kids and staff anytime we sit in store we always start off with our full name date of birth and who is there or and i bring our ancestors in so who are our parents if you're if you're comfortable answering that Edmund Deshaun Williams. I I, grew, I go by Deshaun Williams, but the name that I've always grown up by. Uh, I never really used my first name except for official things. And when I was in trouble, I get called my full name. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so my date of birth is fourteen seventy nine. So I've sort of reached the forties and I've over. over one year over that. <laughs> well, happy belated birthday. You just had a birthday. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, uh, my parents, um, you want to know their names? Yes, please, Sorry. if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, so my mother's name is uh, Vera uh, Lee Williams. Um, and my father, who uh, 
my late father. His name is uh, Johnny B. Williams. Mm. Uh, rest in peace. You said Johnny B? Johnny B. Uh-huh. That's a cool name. That sounds like a famous like singer or something. John, Johnny B. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't know what the, you know, funny part, we don't know what the B uh, is. <laughs> oh, it's just name. the letter? Just the B? Yeah. Oh, we wow. Have no idea what, and he's never, never told us, so. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for bringing them into sp- in your space. Is uh, will you tell yeah. us a little bit about like, um, maybe some of your formidable years, childhood? So, like, what part of town or where did you grow up, and kind of what your life was for the first ten years or so? How that was? Oh gosh, yeah. So I grew up right here in Portland, Oregon. I'm born and raised, um, and uh, grew up in Northeast Portland, Irvington uh, district. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I, I um, went to school not in district. I actually went to King School. My actual neighborhood school was Irvington. So I went to King School for the first, uh, from pre-K up to third grade. Um, and then uh, my parents uh, split um, when I was in to third grade. And we moved um, out, of the neighbor, out of my neighborhood home and moved to... Uh, um, the Deacom area on Holman, oh, okay. Woodlawn. So I went to Woodlawn for fourth grade, um, and then from fourth grade, we my parents reunited, and uh, we moved back to the neighborhood home. And uh, fifth grade, I went I went to my neighborhood school, which was Irvington. Um, and so that that those are my old sort of stomping grounds. Um, it's it was an amazing, uh, amazing neighborhood, um, and I'm fortunate to be able to work in that same neighborhood now as an adult. Um, I have an office space in, in uh, the Elliott, Boise Elliott area, which is literally a two block, three blocks from where I grew up. So um, I'm pleased with that. Oh, man, that's such a, that's such a, I mean, that's like a major victory, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Given just the mm-hmm. process of gentrification and that sort of thing, so it's good to be back in that area. So you're a Northeast kid through and through, huh? <laughs> Northeast. What about what about middle school and high school? Were you a Tubman? Where, where were you going to middle school? Yeah. So once again, um, you know, I went to, because I is my neighborhood school, I went to Fernwood, which is oh. now called Beverly Clearly. And, uh, you know, uh, attended school there, and then uh, went. I was in performing arts, and so um, I didn't go to Grant, which would have been my neighborhood school. <laughs> I oh. ended up going to Jefferson, and was a part of the magnet program, where Jefferson was really strong in the performing arts. And so, uh, attended all four years there at Jefferson, and as a magnet student, and and doing dance and. Uh, dance and acting, and I also uh, play sports. Dang, man, I feel like I didn't know this. Well, one, I didn't know your first name was Edmund, so this is news to me. Uh-huh. And second, I, I I didn't know. I guess I've never really asked about that. Dancing, acting, and sport. Out of the three, where were you like? Where was your? Where were you the best at? Would you say? Oh gosh. <laughs> um. Wow. I would probably say so. I would probably. Say, Maybe I should go well, I wasn't I was good. I got the lead role in a play. Uh it wasn't I only did one sort of acting gig while I was there and it, it and I got the lead role there. So um but basketball I did that for like two years. Uh and the dance I did that for uh for all four years. Oh wow. Okay. I don't know which one I was like the the best at. Um I just really enjoyed all of them. Gotcha. I guess. What was yeah. your I mean, if you're doing all that, were you pretty in high school and stuff? Were you pretty like locked in, going to school, handling your business, staying pretty focused? Uh, yeah, I didn't get into I didn't get into too much trouble <laughs> um, that people knew about. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I was, <laughs> yeah, I think I was one of those uh, one of those kids who uh, who can put on a really good. Uh, really good act in front of people that I needed to, like teachers and 
you know, the adults and stuff like that. But behind closed doors, how you know, I was doing stuff that really could have got me in a whole lot of trouble. Um, so don't tell my mom this. Okay. Uh, she doesn't know any. Still. <laughs> still think I'm the, the great kid. <laughs> um, well, you did something right. You made it to where you are now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, academically, I struggle. I struggle. Uh, not, not to the point in which um, you know I needed a lot of a lot of intervention, but um, I think I just, you know, I had. I'm the youngest of ten kids, you know, and my parents had me really late, and so me and my brother are the only two that are are similar in eight. I mean, we're eleven months apart. Okay, but. You know, academically, it was hard. I just, I didn't have help. I didn't have help at home. You know, my parents didn't, you know, my mom doesn't come from a, I think she has a ninth grade education and my dad has sixth grade education. So, um, so I didn't have a whole lot of support and all of my other siblings were uh, grown and moved out of the house, you know, and so I was like on my own trying to figure it out. Where are your folks from? Are they Portland, or are they do they come here later? Or no, my parents are actually from um, Texas. Both of them are from Texas. Uh, they both moved to Arizona. They both moved to Portland, and then they met each other here in Portland. Oh, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so, quick question, because I I don't know. I mean, I explained this a little bit via text uh, a week ago or so that you know this podcast, yeah. you know, the platform really is. Um, to, to you know, bring people on here, story, but also to really unpack uh, components of masculinity and patriarchy, and kind of look at our roles in stopping it, and where are we uh-huh. currently perpetuating it. But if you could look back to high school, because high school days are, are, are can be kind of rough, or even uh-huh. adolescence in general. And I'm thinking you did acting, dancing, and basketball, uh-huh. and I'm wondering if like what components of unhealthy masculinity whether it was like homophobia sex all kind all that kind of macho stuff how did that show up or did not show up as someone that was in the performing arts field but also in the realm of more traditional masculinity stuff like basketball or did it not yeah yeah uh uh really great question um i think so uh i want to go back a little bit to my middle school years and um those were it, it was a really, it's a really interesting time. Middle school is interesting in, in itself. You know, you're trying to, you know, it's just really tough. <laughs> you know, we're, you know, we're not very kind uh, middle schoolers. And, um, you know, I, you know, grew, I, I believe it or not, um, because, so I was the youngest and, and there was, I have older si- sisters and I really connected well with my sisters growing up. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot with my brothers, and um, you know, so there were ways in which I I, I entered the world, I entered conversations. There were ways in which I um, I engaged with my friends, and I quickly began to realize that, uh, or just peers, that they didn't see me the same way that I saw everybody else. You know, and I mean that by, you know, there was this whole thing about masculinity, femininity, and uh, there are ways in which or things that I would say or ways in which I would come off, um, demeanors that I would have that um, they, it was, it felt really threatening and felt like, uh, you know, you know more feminine qualities mm-hmm. that you would. Um, and so I actually got, I actually got teased a whole lot in, uh middle school um you know being called you know gay or or, uh homo or those sorts of things um even though i was playing basketball even though i was still doing all these traditional masculine things um you know i was still sort of treated very differently and that sort of morphed into me becoming this bully um I i recognized that i was um because I got held back in the third grade, I mean, first grade, um, I was I was a year older, which means that I, developmentally, I was, physically, I was a year bigger in terms of size. Um, and so I used that to my advantage. And I'm not proud 
to say this at all, but I become I became like this this bully. Uh, you know, um, they call me the king of the school, even though I was still holding all of these, even though they would still hold all of these other sort of um, labels and, and call me these names. Um, and you know, it, it's weird. So I, I had that going on in middle school, and that's that really that scarred me. You know, so I'm just like. Why don't people like me? Why don't you know? And it was always in this sort of negative way. It wasn't in this nurturing way. Um, mm. So then when I got, so then when I got in high school, that sort of carried over um, into high school. And I, I wasn't a bully in high school at all. But as I started to develop more in dance and acting and those sorts of things, I had to figure out how to navigate those two worlds. Um, and hold like this position of like I'm a, I'm 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 a I'm a young boy I'm strong I am um, all these sort of narratives um, I'm not weak you know say something to me it's gonna be all you know like uh-huh. all sorts of things because of all of the scarring that sort of happened you know in middle school and even down into elementary school so um, so that that sort of struggle with that toxic max masculinity and and high school um and even you know sort of going into my adult life you know i I had to figure out how to make it work and it 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 has been a challenge yeah you know it was a challenge to do it so i don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense it makes a ton of sense i can relate in a different you know you know you can listen to my podcast as i break up my segment of story over the next couple months but i Different reasons, but similar stuff around uh, being treated poorly based on how I was not showing up as a typical man and then that turning into like rage and anger. And it's just uh, just makes me think. And as you know, as in this field, how many of our young men, you know, we cause a lot of harm on on, on women and non-male identifying people with toxic masculinity. But we also cause a lot of violence and harm amongst each other. Um, Right. And a lot of it has to do with yeah, it's socialized what we watch, but you know, there's some actual scarring that that has happened. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, I really oh. appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing. It really paints a picture for folks to really understand. Like, it's not just oh, I got bullied. It was a rough couple of years. It's, it's a lot deeper. It's how we're like. It's about our identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, with that, how did you? So you went from how, how did you get into like? I guess you tell me about how, what what you went to college for and like how you got interested in social work. Yeah, so uh, um, I attended Portland State University. You know, I'm I'm as I'm Portland native as they come. Like Portland State University for my undergraduate and graduate degree. Um, Wait, did you hold on? Did you go to? Uh, were you as old school as me and get up? Did you go PCC on Killingsworth first? No. Oh, you went straight from. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, from from Jefferson to PSU. Cool. Um, you know, I I um, let's see here. So, uh, the I'm sorry. The question was again. I I lost it. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I I kind of hopped in and got excited about. A PCC reference, my fault. Um, no, I was just asking, like, when you went to college, like, uh-huh. like where'd you go to college? You already said that, and kind of like, uh-huh. what was your, uh-huh. how, what got, got you into the field that you're in now, starting in undergrad? Oh, got, got it, got it. Okay, so, um, so I originally, um, originally was in going to school for a business major. Um, that was. Before I entered into college, I knew I knew that I wanted to do business, and then, you know, I uh, was um, I was a victim of of a shooting when I was sixteen, um, and and uh, it's yeah, I was a victim of a shooting um, in the neighborhood, not in my neighborhood, but on of Northeast uh, Prescott, fifteenth, and uh, you know, just uh, you know. Just, not not involved with any games, not involved with anything, just I was on the corner. I was actually with a youth group, and uh, we were praying on the corner, and someone shot into our circle, and I got hit. And so oh, um, after that sort of occurred, um, I recognized that I, you know, that business wasn't the way that I wanted to go. So then when I got in, when I got into, when I went to PSU, uh, I started to explore uh, psychology. 
and because uh, I was really wanting to figure out what, why did this happen to me? Why does violence even have to happen? Why, you know, all those questions. And I thought the best way that I could sort of get there was moving, going the route of psychology. And um, so I figured out when I first started, psychology wasn't um, wasn't what I wasn't like cutting the mustard, so to speak. Um, then I went back to business, and then. Then I was like, no, I don't want to do this business stuff. But then I ended up taking a class in juvenile justice. And uh, that's sort of where I felt like I was at home. It's, mm. it's all, it was like it was like something just opened up. And yeah. I, would get, I, would get, I would get warm on the inside every time I would get, go to class. It was just, it was like, it was just, it was beautiful. That, I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. Up, I ended up getting my undergraduate degree in criminal justice. Okay. And, uh... And so I did some work in Washington County, the juvenile justice uh, program there. Uh, I worked as an intern, really loved it, started getting involved with restorative practices, sort of justice at that time, um, really loved it. And then was like, I need to go back to school and get my master's degree. I Because I recognized that I, I wanted to be on the more preventative side of things, and, and that seemed to be more um, preventative intervention, and that seemed to be more on the, like, uh, after someone has committed a crime, I'm like, no, I, I need to, I want to be there before it happens. And I so feel that, I, yeah. I, so I decided that I, I wanted to go to school and I, uh, social work. And I knew that uh, that fit really well with, with sort of my beliefs and my values. And, um, and I knew that I wanted to be a therapist. I always knew that, you know. Um, and so, I applied and went to did the graduate school thing and and, and really enjoyed it and uh, yeah and so here I am today as a social worker. Um, I had a question for you about well actually will you tell folks um what are you doing currently now as a social worker because I know before you worked for the county for the mental health uh-huh. student based uh-huh. health center as a therapist there and then did you uh-huh. go straight into private practice or. Um, I did. Yeah, so I worked as, um, it's, I mean, I've done, I've done, I've done work outside of just, uh, the school-based health, you know, uh, clearly, um, yeah. it's been 16 years, um, but, um, or 14 years, 14 years, um, but I've always worked around youth, I've always worked on young people, and just that, that sort of. I have a heart for young people, especially young people that are um, marginalized and uh, even young people that have been um, a part of the the justice system or adjudicated. Um, I just have a special heart and love for them. Um, But I I ended up, just the process of just time, you know, was at Marion County for several years, school-based, Marion County Children's Behavioral Health, and then, um, which is my first job, and then I uh, postgraduate, and then I, I landed a job at uh, ESA, which was uh, Early Assessment and Support Alliance, uh, working with young people experiencing their first episode of psychosis, and that was a culturally specific program. So I was working, my caseload was all African American um, youth, uh, mostly all African American youth. Um, and I did that for a couple of years, and, and, and that sort of, um, you know, it was tough. It was tough to see. It was tough to feel like you couldn't do more. You know, that sense of helplessness, um, you know, sets in because of the trajectory of the, the particular mental health disorder. Um, and uh, so I uh, ended up applying for a school-based health job and was in school-based health for three years, I believe. Um, and I really enjoyed that, being inside the schools, Um you know, being able to work with teachers, being able to work with staff, and uh, that that job in itself was uh, a really great experience, a really great setup for uh, for me to do private practice because you have a large sense of autonomy, and so you are inside the school, so you are the mental health specialist for the school, and uh, so it holds a lot of responsibility, a lot of expectation. Uh, that really sort of honed my uh, honed my skills and abilities to to go into private practice. So from there, 
made it, it was a natural, it felt like a natural sort of transition to do private practice work. Okay, cool. Thank you for painting that picture for us. And just so folks know, do you mind sharing um, the name of your private practice and a little bit what yeah, you do that yeah. and a little bit what you do there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the name of our practice is uh, Raising an Alternative Perspective, Counseling and Consulting. Uh, and you'll mostly see it because uh, it's an acronym for it's RAP, RAP Counseling. And, uh, you know, just a, just a small tidbit of how I came up with this particular name is uh, the Raising Alternative Perspective is really the idea is uh, for folks to understand that counseling is for everybody. Uh-huh. It's not for those who are quote unquote the sick uh, or quote unquote, I don't know if I'm using this word, but mentally ill or crazy, so to speak. Uh, but that counseling is for everybody and that we all can benefit from counseling. And so it's really sort of a push towards, uh, especially people of color who, um, who may see counseling as in, in this really uh, stereotypical, uh, negative, stigmatized way, um, and it's not. It's really just for all of us to have support around us, especially for people of color. So it's Raising Alternative Perspective, Counseling and Consulting. I'm located right on uh, uh, MLK and um, Russell Street, right on the corner there, 333 Northeast Russell. Um, and I am currently, uh, I've been there for about five years now. Um, I've been doing private practice for about six years and, uh, I really have sort of shifted, um, so the private practice, I'm trying to do more group practice work now. And so, which is really awesome and having a space for, um, uh, you know, your, your black indigenous or people of color, having a, a space set aside for us to really do this work and, and feel safe to do this work. And, and that's a whole nother show <laughs> that talks about like the importance of having a therapist that match your, your lived experience and, um, or someone that looks like you. Um, so that's my whole goal with that piece. Uh, is to sort of help people develop that new positions that are coming on board, uh, really help them develop and hone their craft and provide that space for them to do that. Well, that's a beautiful goal that's come to, to fruition, right? And I think yeah. one of the things that, you know, I think all social workers talk about, especially if you're a social worker who's a man and, and a man of color, like talking about the, the stigmas attached, right? So I'm wondering for you, like, what has... What do you think? I want, I want to keep it specifically on race and gender. What do you think? It's sure. what do you think has gotten in the way, or what are the barriers or whatever that has kept men of color specifically? And I think it's starting to change a little bit, but men of color yeah. um, from accessing mental health. I just know growing up, my dad, my dad's Mexican, would basically say that's he would literally say like, oh, that's for white, that's white people shit, or I don't do that, or mm-hmm. like literally those were his words, um, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. later in life he ended up getting into it, but. Um, but yeah, I just want to hear from right. your perspective on that. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, some of which you've spoken to, I think there's a, um, you know, at, at surface, the surface level, it, it, um, it's not something that uh, men go to. It's, it's not something that uh, black men seek out. Um, and I think, Underneath all of that, there's a long history of reasons why uh, black men don't attend uh, therapy. And I think it sort of gets into the discussion that I think that you're sort of raising today around toxic masculinity and masculinity and what that actually means. And, um, you know, just that idea of uh, asking for help. What does it mean to actually ask for help? What does it mean for you guys as black men to step outside of your comfort zone, step outside of the stereotypes, step outside of what society, societal uh, expectations and how you've been socialized? What what does that mean to ask for help? And um, does asking for help mean that you're weak? Um, does asking for help mean that you're incapable? Does asking for help mean that you're not a man? And I think that's sort of 
what gets in the way, I believe, for a lot of men who uh, seek out uh, or who don't seek out counseling. It's that level of vulnerability that we have to socialize to not have, um, that we have to maintain this sense of, of togetherness and this sense of, um, quote-unquote, strength by way of not revealing what our vulnerabilities are and and uh, you know, in actuality, vulnerability is strength. And so, I, I think that that is what gets in the way for black men. Um, and and what and and what what would it mean for this black man to seek out counseling? You know, what would people say? You know, uh, how mm-hmm. would people view them? You know, how would they view themselves? Is this a um, is this a mark against their ancestry? Um, so there's so much that's sort of intertwined with this, um, you know, even just down to, uh, you know, times of oppression or slavery during the days of slavery. Oh yeah. You know, that, you know, if we're not strong enough for weak, there's no place for the weak and weak means that you're asking for help. Weak means that you're showing emotion or vulnerability. I appreciate you you stating that, and part of the reason why, because there's a whole we could do a whole nother season or episode on, on 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 this specifically in regards to the systems, right? Um, and and right. lack of trust, and obviously, hundred percent real. Why? Um, right. And I was just trying to pick apart a little bit just on the on the more masculinity side of of asking for help or seeking out therapy. You know, one of the things I struggle with, and I think. Um, as I've gotten older, Deshaun, and kind of uh, refined my circle of, of supports, uh, friends, community, however you want to put it, it's less and less this way. But um, when I was first in this field and I still um, was out and about, I would always struggle when I had to tell people what I did for work, especially other men. Um, like, I don't know. I'm wondering how that has been for you when, when you're meeting, you're out and you're meeting a guy for the first time or a new, a new person specifically a man and they're like, what do you do? Like, I'm a social worker. I'm a therapist. Like, what are the responses you get, um, or have gotten? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> it's funny that you asked your question because I think, uh, I too, uh, depending on, uh, the, the circumstances, I too sort of like struggle about how I should, um, how I, how I should explain the work that I do. Um, I generally, because I'm a therapist and a therapist is so like, um, it seems to be easier accepted, uh, or, you know, people don't always associate therapy with mental health because, you know, there's physical therapy and then there's speech therapy and there's all this sort of thing that there's all sorts of therapy. So I sort of resort to therapy, uh, but I think, in other times when I've said, like, uh, you know, people dig a little bit deeper, they say, you say mental health therapist, you know. <laughs> I sort of get, like, this, uh, you know, this, you know, like, this sort of response of, like, oh, man, I need to watch what I say to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yo, I'm not the feds, man. I'm just, I'm a therapist. <laughs> right, 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 definitely. But I think people sort of go into this, this really guarded space of like, oh man, you know, um, if I say something that what what is he gonna think? You know, is he analyzing me? You know, and so right. Um, so I do get a, I do get a variety of I do get a variety of responses. As well, folks are like, man, I really need to talk to you. You know, which is like, okay, well, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I just want to have a conversation. Like, I'm just gonna do it myself. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but but there is those there is those pieces there is some potential shame that may be associated with uh, with just saying that like I'm a social worker and because of you know what what does it mean to be a social worker uh, you know and I think the immediate um, I think the where the imagination goes for people who um, lack understanding of the, the um, how how the variety of social work that there is tend to go to like, you know, you go to people's houses and take the kids. Um, right. So, uh, so I, you know, we, I think that that, that sort of this piece 
that I, I try to help, try to manage within myself. Um, I've grown to just be okay with it. Uh, and that, you know, I'm 14 years out of uh, in this work. And so it, it wasn't that way at the beginning. Now I'm just like, yeah, I'm a therapist. I do social work or I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And it seems I don't have a whole lot of problems with that at this point in time. Yeah, no, I feel you. I, I, it's just such an interesting concept, and I could go on about all the weird responses I've gotten. Or <laughs> I've, I've, a homeboy of mine that we don't talk too much anymore. I remember years. He's like, "Oh, you still doing that probation officer thing?" I was like, "Dude, I've never been a probation officer, ever, <laughs> not once." Like, I've worked with, you know, kids that are in lockup. Yeah, but I've yeah. never. But he just associated everything as you know the federal. Like I'm a police officer, a corrections officer, or a PO, and I'm like, no, not not quite. Um, or or folks, or or if I've shared with some random guys who I don't know that well, almost like suddenly become in, uninterested. Like I'm not in business or construction, so they're like, oh, like they don't even know what to say. I'm like, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so it's a strange, strange one. Yo, this next question, this is kind of the, I only have two questions left and, and, and I'll let you go about your day, my friend. But um, yeah. Yeah. this one's a challenging one, but I'm curious for you, like when it comes to patriarchy, um, toxic masculinity, rape culture, misogyny, all that kind of stuff, what, all, what fits under that umbrella, what parts yeah. of those components um, for you has been the biggest challenge in regards to challenging yourself, to reprogram yourself? And how does that, what does that kind of talk to us about what that kind of looks like? And so for me, like an example for me has been like how I, uh, when it comes to hip hop and, and the hip hop culture or playing basketball and some of the basketball stuff that comes up and the competitive nature when I, when I, and how I exude that um, toxic masculinity, I've had to like check it and, and, and comb through it a little bit. So that's just an example of mine. I've got many more, unfortunately, but um just curious yeah. how that process has been for you. Yeah, so um, a, that's a, actually that's a really good question. Um, and I, I certainly think that there have been um, there have been times in my life in where I sort of have um, I've taken part in sort of furthering this idea of math, of, of uh, toxic masculinity, and that is, that's, you know, I mean, for example, bullying at such a young age, and, you know, that sort of thing doesn't, I mean, I have to really work that thing out of my system, um, but I think the other parts of this is, like, you know, how am I, how do I view other people, um, you know, having a sense of tolerance for folks um, who I, uh, other men who I tend to view as they're being weak, you know, mm-hmm. and so I have to, I really have to like call that into, I have to challenge that all the time. Um, uh, because growing up in a household with brothers, you know, you don't, you, you don't, you don't be weak, <laughs> you know, you, and weak meaning you don't show, you know, uh, uh, emotion or vulnerability, or you don't show a sign that you can't, you don't have it all together. And, um, so I, I, I do, I do have to. I have to challenge myself with that. And, and part of that is very self, it's ha- I have to be self-reflective. I have to have people around me that can hold me accountable. Um, and, uh, you know, and I have, to do, I have to do my work around that. And uh, that is me talking to somebody else uh, as a, you know, helpers need help. And I like to say that all the time. Oh, that's a great one. We don't, we don't have it all together. And so we need people to hold us accountable, whether it's through our groups, our social, our professional groups, our, um, you know, for me, it's more of my, uh, you know, clinical groups, um, you know, that I, uh, that I work with and, uh, peers that, that can also say, dude, what you just said, or man, what you said was totally, you know, that's some toxic masculinity stuff, or, you know, you're sort of holding a patriarchal, uh, um, ideology there um so i think it comes a lot a lot of ways um for me um so i I think i don't know if that sort of answers your question oh it does yeah there's this is i mean these are i don't ask small light questions here so sometimes it's like we're just we're just gonna verbally process this shit out you know (laughs) so no you're you're good um okay no i appreciate that no that's that's real i think it's uh 
I was talking to a mentor of mine on my last episode. His name's Omari Barksdale. He came out and did some trainings in Portland with our staff, and we just stayed connected. And we just stayed connected ever since. And I was asking him like similar, like where are you struggling? Where are you like? Where have you made some progress? And he basically was just like, I'm always struggling. I've I've got 50 yeah. years of this conditioning, and it's going to take me yeah. a lot my rest of my life to kind of undo some of those things. So it's just an interesting way yeah. of looking at it that it's it's lifelong yeah. lifelong work. Yeah, um, and we're constantly bombarded with messages all the time. Oh. That's just okay, you know. So it's sort of like you're fighting against that. You, you know, it's just um, you know. Anyway. No, it's so ingrained. There's moments where I will think a thought, or or my or I get angry about something, and I start to feel a certain type of rage or whatever it is, and I'm and I'm having to tell my own mind like, God, this is so real, and I don't know, I, I don't like that I'm feeling this way or thinking this. Sure. You know, sure. that's how deeply embedded this is. Um, I only have yeah. one question left for you, uh, yeah. Deshaun, and I always end each episode with wisdom from the wise, and so just take a moment. And, you know, you got a lot of experience and you've done a lot. So maybe give some advice. Um, what advice would you give to listeners out there, specifically male identifying listeners who yeah. are like, they're not fully bought in on the work yet, maybe, but they're like, man, I know I want to do things differently, but I'm stuck because it feels soft to change or feels or it doesn't feel like I'm quite the man if I start shifting a little bit. What, what would be some advice you'd give? Yeah, I uh, I would I would say to you uh, or say to to Ben, I work with a lot of men. I most of my uh, caseload that I have are men, and most of them are men of color. And um, and I I am I'm honored to work with these uh, these men who come into my office and have now reached the point where they're they're seeking out help. Um, and and allow themselves to be vulnerable and and i and i would just say like i, I think it's important um to uh, to give it a try um and i i just allowing yourself um uh the opportunity or the space to give this counseling or to just give someone that you trust um another another male another mentor give that a try with being able to say to talk about the things that you are struggling with Mm -hmm. um it doesn't necessarily have to be big things uh quote unquote um it can be just things like i i'm I'm struggling with how to be motivated (laughs) you know yeah Um, i'm i'm struggling with how to you know uh how to make it through this this sort of pandemic stuff like I, I hate being stuck in the house what do I do you know simple things like that having just started the conversation um, and I and through those conversations relationships begin to, to get developed and trust begins to get developed and those things sort of morph into uh, larger and greater conversations um, hmm, okay. so I would just say give it a try step out um, and don't don't be ashamed. It's you know, like I say, uh, I am one of probably I can count them on my hands, maybe two hands, maybe ten people that are in this field um, doing this work as as people of color uh, inside of practice um, that are working with men, and you're not alone. That's I want to really tell you that too that you are not alone in this, and that you can. Um, that there are people out here that that you can trust. Okay. Uh, sort of my words of wisdom. Well, that's beautiful. I appreciate I appreciate that. I also appreciate your your time with me uh, today. I know you're you're busy, and you're doing. Uh, sounds like you're doing uh you're doing Zoom Zoom meetings or, or what is it? Telecare right I'm, now. I'm doing te- I'm doing telehealth. Telehealth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So seeing clients via it's video. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I want to appreciate you. I also want to tell you, Deshaun, like, um, you know, we've 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 touched, we've crossed paths in a couple different arenas now, and we have a similar uh-huh. uh, circle of colleagues and stuff like that. But I, I don't know, man. I I know we we don't know each other at a super deep level yet, but I just sure. really appreciate sure. you, and I'm proud of you. I'm inspired to see a black man from Northeast, where I'm from, 
uh, have his own thing going on with space back in the neighborhood, kind of reclaiming it and just doing, just setting an example and doing really, really good work. So I've got a lot of respect uh, uh, for you and you're inspiring. And I'm, I'm hoping to get to, to your level one day. That's kind of my goal is do the similar stuff you're doing as, as you're talking about. So I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Drew. I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to talk, and thank you for, yeah, just this interview, and, uh, yeah, and me being able to just open up and talk with you, and, yeah, this, this has been great. Yes, yeah, it's, it's felt platform. real organic, so I appreciate that. Um, I end up end, end every episode with a song, and so I just chose uh-huh. one. Um, it's, yeah. a, it's a good friend of mine, actually. Have you heard of uh, Serge Severe? He's a local artist. I have not. Oh, you got a yeah, Bandcamp. You can support his album there, his new album. You can find him on all pla- okay. all platforms, Surge Severe. But he's been around um, for a couple decades in Portland. I mean, he's he's toured. He's opened for Wu-Tang, Red, Red Man, Method Man, the whole, the whole nine. Um, anyways, oh, wow. check him out. I, w- I forgot the song. <laughs> I'm going to have to tap back in here because I actually forgot the name of the song I'm going to play. But anyways, check him out, okay? Okay. Surge Severe? Surge Severe. So Surge, oh, Surge. Yeah, S E V E R E. So search severe. But anyways, to uh to all to, to thank you to Deshaun and to the listeners out uh-huh. there. Uh, we'll see y'all later. We're gonna leave you here, episode three, with a song from one of five oh three's finest Surge Severe. And I'll see you later, Deshaun. Take it easy. Okay, take care. All thank right, you. bye. Uh-uh, I keep growing now, I gotta